today to our show Revival Life. I must apologize that uh, Jeremy has uh, sent his apologies that he couldn't attend, come and join us today. Um, he had, um, there was a clash of dates and so um, he will be doing a recording with me and he will come on very soon. Um, I think maybe in the next couple of weeks we'll do the recording and then we'll uh, put it up. So um, we're thankful for um, Jeremy in our lives. Today's question is, what are we thankful for? And I can see that my classmate from school, Sarita is here. Sarita and I went to school together. Um, and she's saying, I'm thankful for keeping us safe uh, this day. Um, yes, I understand that. Um, if I remember right, Sarita, you live in uh, Alamakara and our area in, uh, in, in Cochin is actually, has been where my mom stays and stuff has been quarantined as a, as a um, you know, because of the COVID situation in India. So actually, I just want to ask for people to pray for India. They're saying that the second wave that has hit India right now, there are 300 and uh, 314,000 cases in the last 24 hours. The emergency um, at the hospitals cannot cope. Uh, the death toll is high. So can we just lift out our hands, lift up our hands and pray for the nations that are struggling right now? Uh, let's just stretch, stretch out our hands to, the, to India. And Father, we pray, Lord, for protection upon India, Father, and the people of India, Father. Lord, we pray, Father, that there will be a quelling of the second wave, Father. And we pray, Father, Lord, that, um, that in the name of Jesus, Lord, that there will be healing, Father. Father, we pray, Father, Lord, and we trust in you, Father, that, that the plague that has gone out, Father, Lord, will come to a cease, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. You know, and we are thankful for what the Lord has done in many countries. Um, in the UK, you know, we are really seeing a move that has been shifting things for, um, you know, the, the vaccination, the move towards vaccination. Rates have come down. So we're thankful for that. Let me see what everybody um, uh, from South Africa, Sibu Sizo, I'm not sure if I'm not saying that right, says he's thankful for the gift of life. Amen. Uh, Daniel says he's thankful for the amazing God's amazing creation, what he's about to show um, and what it shows about him. Yes, Daniel, that is good. Uh, Ellen uh, is thankful for his provision and the sun today in London. It is nice outside today. For those of you who haven't been out, today is a good day. I mean, the sun is shining. Um, Rachel, I said she's thankful for her son today. Is that right? I am thankful for your son. Those of you who have not met Rachel's son, he is an amazing um, boy, um, full of life, you know, and we are also thankful for that. So um, tell me what you're thankful for. Um, I am thankful for really the grace of God um, over our lives that when I look at the past season, I see how much we have overcome, you know, and how much... Um, God has saved us, that his grace is more than sufficient. So yes, I am thankful for the Lord and all that he's done today. Uh, praise the Lord. So I've got some jokes. They are getting progressively worse by the week. You all need to write to the admin team. Uh, this is today's jokes. This is, how do you throw a party on Mars? You plan it. 
What did the frog order at McDonald's? French flies and a diet croak. I can hear you groaning. Oh my gosh, praise the Lord. And this is my favorite of tonight. Okay. What's Whitney Houston's favorite type of coordination? Hand eye, hand eye. So Rachel is um, doing the drum roll. Amen to that. So it is an interesting joke we have today. But today I really want to speak about um, you know, um, those of you go through the Bible, you understand that they are there are the set of prophets who are called the minor prophets, 12 of them. And it's not because they're minor, because they've written small, I mean, their books are smaller, but they are profound. And um, and today I want to speak about some of the major pursuits that we find in the minor prophets. And I've been um I've been really uh, going through the book of Habakkuk. I've been going through the book of um, Hosea and a couple of these books. And I really want to just um, touch on to these, if that is okay. Now, um, I really feel that this, this season gives us an, a unique opportunity to pursue God. With all that's going on around us, there is an opportunity for us to step into our godly destinies so that we can see God move. One of us can change nations. We've seen it. And I really, um, I really want to start with Hosea, you know, and um, this Sunday as I was preaching, this is what I preached about. And it was Hosea 6, uh, verse 1. It says, come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. That way that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. He is, his going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain of the earth. Now, I, I, there's a lot to expound on this, but Hosea, you know, he had prophesied to the northern tribes of Israel. And um, he was in a similar timeline as Micah and uh, Isaiah. And so we see prophets speaking. Now, Hosea had this unique thing where um, the Lord asked him to go marry a woman who was extremely adulterous in, in their marriage, okay? And her name was Gomer. And, he, and you find the struggle that Hosea went through. And there is the likening, you know, there's the imagery that God gives us. And, um, and this is one of the things I want to kind of, before I go on to this Hosea 6, I want to just go into Hosea 1, 2. And the Lord is speaking to Hosea. And I've been asking the Lord to provoke. I mean, this is a word that our team was using to provoke, provoke us into the a pursuit of God. You know, like you look at you look at Hosea. He was going through a, a difficult time in his relationship and there is a provocation. And this is, it says here, verse, uh, chapter one, verse two in Hosea says, go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness because the land is guilty of vi the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. And this is one of the first things that I, as I read Hosea, I kind of 
the spark that happened, you know, uh, this, this thing that the word of the Lord must affect us first. When God speaks to us, it often isn't first for everybody else. We can see and ask him, how does it provoke me to pursue you, God? You know, the first of the word, how, how the Lord works is he deals with us. And I feel that, you know, as much as we're speaking to the nations, as much as we're speaking to our spheres of influence, we need to allow God to speak to us. We need to allow God to, to refine us because his word is like fire. We need to allow God to change us. And this is one of the things, you know, this, this thing where the Lord speaks to Hosea and says, Go marry this, this woman and she will be adulterous and the children will be children of unfaithfulness. You know, and there was a cost to Hosea's call. You know, and there was a price that Hosea paid. And I just want to think about that. Think about that. You know, that when... God calls us. It is very personal. And here God paints a vivid, a vivid picture that our idolatry, our worship of the things of the world, our worship of the things that are not of God's, you know, the rejection of the ways of God, our disobedience is very personal to God. As personal as a marriage is to, to any human being. You know, it's very personal to God. And so when we put anything in front of our relationship or between our relationship with God, it is really personal for the Lord. And so this has provoked me to really think like, you know, in like we can speak to everybody. I'm speaking to you. But as I'm speaking to you, I need to understand that God is speaking to me, you know, um, and God, you know, as much as we don't want to make him smaller, but God has, you know, he expresses his emotions. You know, God has anger. He says he's a jealous God. You shall have only one God and his name is Yahweh. So here, as I'm looking at Hosea, I'm asking God to provoke me to understand my relationship with him, how he feels about me, how he feels about the things that I'm doing in every day, you know, that me not spending time with him is as, as hurtful as me not spending time with a spouse or a child, the children of unfaithfulness. As I neglect my relationship with people, it's the same hurt and feelings in in, in terms of how I, when I neglect my feeling with God. So I'm just asking the Lord to really bring me to a place, you know, of, as Hosea said, come, let us return to the Lord for he is torn and he will heal us. See, the end of the story is our God will redeem his people. God will heal every broken heart. That which has been torn in our lives, he will restore, repair. He will revive us. And, you know, I was speaking about this. He says this, his going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. 
you know, every morning, you know, the sun comes up. We're not doing anything. It is established. In the same way, Hosea, in the midst of this difficult relationship, is, is telling people, pursue God. Pursue the knowledge of God. Pursue him. Okay? And God's moving forward and us moving with him is as established as the morning. And this is what I'm saying. God's truth is established. Heaven and earth may fade away, but God's word will never fade, my friends. You know, as I'm studying this, this is, it says, come, let us return to the Lord. And I believe as, as Hosea wanted Gomer to return to him and to understand that he was going to accept her, God wants us to return to him, there is a call in this time to come back. You know, there's the former rain and there's the latter rain. And all of us have this time when we first encountered God. We call it the honeymoon season. We call it the, the, the first love. The book of Revelation says, return to your first love. And as much as God was great in, the, in his first love and the former rain, there is still the latter rain. The greater days are still before us. The latter rain shall be greater than the former rain. That's what the book of Haggai says. So we need to understand as established as the morning is and as established as the rising of the sun is, so is established the coming of our God and hope will rise up within us. But we need to understand that God is speaking to us. God is not speaking to our neighbor or our spouse or our children god is speaking to me to write down your name and say god is speaking to me i want fellowship with a living god my friends i don't know about you do you want fellowship with a living god this is the call come return let us return to our god he will heal us and let us pursue in the book of hebrews says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him there is a reward in pursuit of our living god and so let this provoke us to pursue him and his rewards are great and mighty they are victory they are deliverance they are salvation our god is is an amazing, awesome, mighty, powerful God. So when we pursue him diligently, he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So Hosea is, is provoking me today to understand that God is, it's a personal thing. God is calling me personally. God is calling you personally. He's calling you by name. That's what Isaiah said. It says, God calls us by our name. It's written, in his, it's written in his hands. So my friends, if you think God doesn't know you, the enemy is a liar. He's lying to you. He knows you by name. He loves you. It's as personal as a marriage. In the New Testament, we have the revelation of Christ, the bridegroom, the Messiah. So God is looking for a very deep relationship. Hosea himself said, my people struggle and suffer because of the lack of knowledge. Hallelujah. So Hosea gives the answer to that. And he says, pursue the knowledge of God. Pursue him. And he is established. Hallelujah.
let's look at the book of Joel. We look at Joel at a time when the land has been hit by locusts. You know, they've been a horrendous invasion. There are four kinds, you know, of of locusts that had come in. They're the cutters, the swarmers, the, hop, the hoppers, and the destroyers. That's what Joel 1, 4 says, you know? And um, I've, I've never seen locusts operate, but I've seen movies where the swarm comes in and wipes out entire fields and fruitfulness like this, you know? And they sometimes, they're like a, there's a sound that comes, they're like a roaring fire, it seems, these locusts when they come. so. And I'm looking at this and there are seasons when we feel like we think, okay, the first set of locusts have come and the second set of locusts, you know, we're thinking how many more can we handle? I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you think, oh my gosh, it feels like one swarm after the other, after the other. I say it would be great if problems just came one at a time. Like we've got one problem and when the second problem comes, we can say, stop, look, I've already got one problem. I don't need another one. So here you know, in life, in reality, it's like sometimes it comes in like a flood, but the Lord will raise up a standard through the power of, of through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. The word of the Lord says that greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. So here we see a nation at a time when swarm after swarm after swarm, these locusts have come and it looks like it'll take years to get back to prosperity years to get back to the right economy. I mean, can we identify with this? We can identify with this. And look at this. It's, um, you know, when locusts come, I saw this in this movie that not a single plant was left. So you're thinking, what will I put for seed next year? What will I put for planting next year? There's nothing left. You know, and it is at this time, you know, that we understand that God's power no matter what the devastation is, God's renewing power is still available for those who will diligently seek him. That you crying out in your nation will result in the salvation of our nation. Now look at verse two. Verse, chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. He relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent? We know. Because our God is a faithful God. And leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Now let's look at this. Let's look at Joel. Okay, And it says, now therefore turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. See, we can turn to God with, um, with, without our hearts. You know, the word repent comes from the word metanoia. It means to do a 180, you know, that if we're heading in this direction, we realize we're going in the wrong direction and we take a U-turn. We've changed our mind about something, you know, and and when we change our mind, it really means we our heart towards it is no longer uh, uh, a desirous for the things of that we're we're changing our mind about it. Our hearts are turning around. The opinion has changed. And so here, 
you know, there is the Lord's asking now, therefore, turn to me with all your heart. You know, like God is asking us to turn to him. And sometimes we'll be like, oh, no, I don't want to turn to him because my motivations are not right. See, it doesn't matter what situation and just turn to the Lord. He will leave a blessing. You know, turn to God, turn away from sin. You know, a lot of people will come and say, like, I don't sin anymore. But I find that, I mean, I'm going to get to this. Some God is provoking me. I'm, I'm, I hope he's provoking. Is he provoking you, my friends? I hope he is. You know, um, but one of the things is sin may not be external things we do. Sin can be internal things, the attitude of our heart, our own self-righteousness, you know, our own um, justification. None of that will stand before God. God is a just God. The only justification we have, his name is Jesus. Our justification is a person, and that's Jesus. Our righteousness is a person, and that's Jesus, my friends. So sincere repentance, hallelujah, should be done with our hearts. It's when we surrender. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking that when we turn with our all our hearts, it says with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So I have this question. Like I was reading, and I thought this. Does sincere repentance, is it marked, my friends, with an action? Okay. Now, I, I'm just thinking like the word metanoia means to turn around. There's an action that's associated with it, a turning around, a turning around. You know, is there an action? So here, the Lord clearly says with fasting, okay, that's an action. With emotion, with weeping, okay, with mourning. Now, not every act of repentance will include fasting and weeping, but I'm starting, I'm, it was a question I had, if every action and emotion, like, can we have repentance without action? Now, when I got saved, um, um, they, they were speaking about forgiveness and people said that, um, you know, the preacher was saying that those who um, who have hurt you, you need to forgive. And, um, and, you know, people sometimes can really hurt you badly. So, um, and they, and then in my head, I thought, um, why, why do I need to forgive them? They were just wrong. Okay. And I don't know, I'm, you know, I may be speaking to somebody here and, um, the preacher said, like, it's like he read my mind and he said, well, you're, um, you've been forgiven. So because you've been forgiven, you know, you that's what Luke 7, um, 747 says. She has been forgiven much, you know, and because she's been forgiven, she loves much. So when we've been forgiven, we must love much. We must forgive much. So I thought, okay, this is what the commandment of the Lord says, and I, I need to forgive. And then the preacher says, have you forgiven? I said, yes, in my spirit, I didn't say it out loud. Okay. And then he said, write letters to the people. And you know, when I wrote those letters, people didn't react or respond in the way I expected them. They rejected my apology, a lot of some people, you know. Some people accepted it, some people rejected it. But, you know, it doesn't matter because I found my conscience clear with God. I didn't try to justify my position. And so as I'm reading this, I'm asking, Lord, you know, when I'm repenting, is 
along with my repentance, is there an action required? And I believe that we need to ask this of the Lord at this time. I'm getting provoked. I don't know if you're getting provoked. See, we need to get provoked with God. I, if you're ever really in a friendship or a relationship with somebody, your friends and they, they, and your friends and family, they will provoke you. That is the truth of it. They'll do things and it, and we better get provoked. Why? Because otherwise everything remains the same, same. And same, same means we are staying in the same place. We're not going from glory to glory. And we need to, like, we need to be transformed into the image of our living God. And Joel chapter two, it goes on to say, rend your heart and not your garments. You know, one of the, one of the, 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 the expressions of mourning within the Jewish culture was that they're so overcome with grief that they would tear their garments and they said, they were like, I don't care about my clothes anymore. I don't care if my clothes get ruined, you know? And so, so Joel is here saying this. He says, he says he knew that people could sometimes do actions without tearing their heart, you know? And uh, so there is the, the truth of the, there's a truth here that the Lord is asking us to rend our hearts, not our garments, and to repent with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And, and as that happens, okay, as that happens, the word of the Lord says here, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. See, our God is good. Okay, so we have to, like, there is this perception of this God that is, is really mean and he's, he, you know, he's going to punish us. The word of the Lord says, when we return to him, he will heal our backsliding. You know, I just uh, want to read Romans chapter 2, verse 4. I'll read it from the, uh, the New Living Translation first. It says, do you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Or if you read from the Passion Translation, it says, do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance? So this is what is provoking me in Joel. Hosea, I understand it's a relationship and I need to come back. Come, let us return. Joel, he says, come, let us fast, gather together. Let's come back. You know, um, I believe that God is calling us to a time of purity, of personal, of power, you know, with him, of presence. I'm not just trying to use words with P, my friends. That's all that's coming to me. But I want to have the former rain and the latter rain. I don't want to talk about an experience I had with God 30 years ago. I want to speak about an experience with God I had two hours ago. Where I'm full of his presence and his joy. You know, there's a timeline in the Bible. And when you look through the, the 
you know, they're called minor prophets because their books are smaller. There are 12 books of the Old Testament, which is called the minor prophets. And it doesn't reflect the importance of the books, but, you know, it's, it's their length, as I said. So before exile, you've got Hosea, Joel, and Amos, you know, and um, then you've got Obadiah, Nahum, uh, Micah, uh, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Jonah. Then after exile, you've got Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. You know, so you've got the books of the Bible in, in the 12th. So I, I'm, and I'm going to end with uh, Amos here. Amos, for me, um, he's an interesting prophet. If you turn your Bibles to Amos 7.14, okay, then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, now Am, uh, Amaziah, he was, you know, very close to the king and he wasn't righteous and he was fake, pretending a lot of things and asks Amos when he gives a word to the Lord, who are you? What do you want? Like, what are you coming and saying? And Amos says this, I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I am a sheep herder and a tender of a sycamore fruit, you know? Um, then the Lord took me, and as I followed the flock, the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Before I even op open this, this, this word, I want you, us to remember Acts. In the book of Acts, our Jesus says that you shall be my witnesses. In the darkness, you and I are called to be the light that draws people into the true light of this world. His name is Jesus. You know, Amos was a native of Judah and he comes and he says, we need to repent. And God is asking us to honestly set our hearts right with him. So there's a theme here, you know, and, and, and Amos says this, he says, I was no prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. He was a farmer by trade, you know? So he's saying, he's saying this, he says, you know, you're, you may think I'm not connected. I'm not this. I'm not from here. I'm not, it doesn't matter. You know, I think about this. I think if God can use a donkey in the case of Balaam, God can use me, you know, God used the least likely suspects, okay, in the Bible, throughout the Bible. So I'm telling you right now, it's a personal thing. If you're watching this, God is calling you, my friends. God, it's it doesn't matter your lineage or your hierarchy or anything. God is no respecter of persons. There is no Jew, no Gentile, no male, no female, no free, no slave, no nothing. God loves you and God wants you. The word of the Lord says, and all my people, he desires that all shall prophesy. So how do we prophesy the truth and the light of God? You know, and why? How? Because when we have a relationship with him, we become more like him and we reflect his glory. And verse, and then the Lord told, took me as I followed the flock. You know, God uses people in so many different professions. God uses people. It, there were shepherd people. There were farming people. There were king people. There were slave girls. There were so many different places. So whichever 
place you're in, my friends. God can use you. God will use you in the place of your service, in the place of your, in your place of your fruitfulness, you know. Amos was a shepherder, you know, and a farmer of a sycamore fruit, you know. So I like what Spurgeon says here. Uh, you know, he says, Spurgeon spoke, speaks about Amos and says, every prophet has a manner and a style that's particularly his own. Although God speaks through them all, yet they lose not their individuality and originality of character. The breath which causes the music is the same, but no two instruments give forth precisely the same sound. It is true that they all utter the words of God, but each voice has its own special cry so that God is true and they all utter the word of the Lord and each voice has its own special cry so that through though God is preeminently seen, yet the man is not lost. You are valuable. You, the original you, the you that God made in his image. You may not be the prophet of prophets. You may not be the shepherd of shepherds. It doesn't matter. God will use you with your availability. You know, I always say this. God looks for availability. He can give anybody ability. It's not about our ability. It's about our availability, my friends. Hallelujah. Then God took me as I followed the flock. Hallelujah. I seem to have run out of time. But I want to tell you something. There is a provocation God is doing in our lives. You know, he wants us to come to him. He wants us to turn away, turn around. You know, the turn around is to look away from things that are not beautiful. There is only one that's beautiful. His name is Jesus. He's the Rose of Sharon. Hallelujah. Keep your eye on that which is light. You will reflect that light. Hosea 6 says, come, let us return to the Lord. Joel says, come, rend not your garments, but rend your heart. And he will leave a blessing. Amos says, who am I? The Lord says, my friend, you are valuable. You are valuable. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so that you may be saved. Hallelujah. You are important to him. You are his witness. And I pray today that God will provoke you to be the burnt offering on that altar when he puts his fire in, in you. I love that song. You provide the fire. I'll provide the sacrifice. Come, let us return to the Lord. Come, my friends. The key to the, revi to the revival life or the revived life, the key is God. Revival comes from nobody else but our God. So I've just looked at a few of the minor prophets. If you've been blessed please let me know, you know, um, 
I love, I love the, the word. And um, I, I taught the book of Acts at the church for three years, you know, and I was planning to do it for four weeks, but we went through it for three years. And if you want to really learn more, let me know. And um, I will, um, I will try to teach and please share, like, subscribe. You know, um, I want to honor the team that works in the church behind the scenes. They do a lot. And next week, April 29th at 7 p.m., I've got a dear friend of us, Corey Russell. He's a man of prayer and a breakthrough breaker. <laughs> so anointed. And I believe he's also going to speak about what you and I are called to do at this time. You know, I believe that as we come into a time of returning to the Lord, he will heal our land. You are the light. Why? Because his love and his light lives in you. So I'm asking you, repent, turn away, come back to the Lord. Come, I'm going to end with this. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he is torn, but he will heal us. He is stricken he will bind us up after two days he will revive us and on the third third day he will rise raise us up that we may live in his sight god's eye is on us and he longs for us to live in his sight i am my beloved's and his desire is for me you are the beloved's and his desire is for you Always remember, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. So thank you so much. Um, provoking, pursuit, presence, power. Hallelujah. I'm going to bless you guys. Have a great evening. Love you guys. The Lord loves you much more than any human can. Remember that. Bless you. Bye.